This episode of this podcast is making me thirsty is brought to you by the Dream Cafe. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty, the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at this thirsty. Follow us on Instagram at this thirsty. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. This podcast is making me thirsty. Join our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Seinfeld podcast. Bonus episodes up there. Our first 16 episodes are up there. All kinds of good stuff. Join now, folks. Go to our website, seinfeldpodcast.com. Our rankings are there. All of our episodes are there. Lots of good stuff. Email us at this podcast is making me thirsty at gmail.com. If you dig it, please pass it on. Thank you for listening. Please enjoy. This podcast is making me thirsty. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty. The number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This is episode 132. Today we have a very special guest. He worked in various roles in the production staff of Seinfeld for five years, including as a writer's assistant, producer's assistant, and script coordinator. He worked closely with Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld, the entire writing staff. He had his hands on all facets of the show, including coordinating casting sessions and working behind the scenes with all production departments and network execs. He also appeared on screen in three Seinfeld episodes. We are very excited to talk to him tonight. Please welcome Jeffrey Yerkes. Jeffrey, thanks for joining. You're very welcome. I'm glad to be here. It's fantastic. 130. That is a lot of episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Welcome to the program, Jeff. And um, hopefully we were right on a lot of what we just what Tony just mentioned there. But you graduated Emerson College in what, 1990? Yep. Um, 90. And Ju- July of 90, you were on the Seinfeld staff. How'd that happen? No, actually, um, I started... Um, and maybe LinkedIn is messed up. Uh, I started <laughs> off at Saved by the Bell. That was my first job out of Emerson. Um, and I started there in, in um, working as a production assistant on Saved by the Bell. And I was there for about a season until late 91. I got um, promoted to writer's assistant there. And then, really? that, yeah, and then that was when a friend of mine, Karen, who I went to school with at Emerson, Karen Wilkie, now Karen Newman, um, said, do you want to come over and be a writer's assistant on the show over here? And the show at that point wasn't a number one show. It was like number 90 in the ratings. Nobody really knew what it was, but I knew Jerry because I had seen him perform around here, like North Shore Music Circus or where, wherever he was here. Um, and so I just knew about him, always watched him on the late night shows. So I decided to one day dress up nice enough for a job interview, but not nice enough to raise any suspicions. And I went over to, um, yeah, the Radford lot and had my job interview was with uh, the two Larrys and Jerry. You're kidding. Wait, Larry, Larry, David, Larry, Charles, or Larry, David, Larry, Charles, and Jerry were who I did my job interview with. Wow. And you're a, what, a 23 year old or 24 year old kid kind of fresh off a little saved by the bell and right. A little saved by the bell, which was a great, you know, great show getting my feet wet. But when my friend said, when Karen said, Oh, you should come over and look at the show. And then I had this interview, which I'll tell you about in a second. uh, I was really, I was really interested in it. So, um, so anyway, so I went and had this interview and the night before the interview, she told me that they used this bit of software. I don't know if it was final draft or what it was. And there was a manual for it. And I remember the night before I'm sort of like pouring over the manual, like, how am I going to do this in terms of like entering the script into the computer? It was like DOS. I don't even know if it was windows, (laughs) Um, you know, going over the manual. And, and then at that point, um, my girlfriend at the time, um, soon to be wife was, um said what are you doing he's not going to ask you questions about like you know how to get to the c prompt and do all of these things and so i just went to bed got a good night's sleep and then that's exactly it was good advice because i got there and went into the with the three of them and it could not have been any 
less formal. They were, in fact, they were probably on their way out to lunch and it was about like a 10 minute conversation. And instead of like sitting over in my shoulder, like Jerry saying, okay, like log in now and blah, 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 whatever. Um, yeah. Larry just said, so uh, there's a lot of typing involved. Are you fast? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fast. And he's like, okay, well, you seem like a nice guy. And Karen <laughs> says you're a good guy. Um, and then the rest of the time we spent basically them trying to get like gossip on Karen. So what was Karen like in college? And, you know, <laughs> so that was, so that was the interview. And then I, Casserole called me back and I was, I had the job and then I went back to tell the people at Saved by the Bell and the producer there was upset because he had given me my first job. And I told the creator of that show um, that I was leaving and he's like, what are you cutting your throat? What are you doing? It's a small town. People have long memories and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) You know, and people meanwhile, were like saying, just go take it. You're crazy if you don't go, even though it wasn't, like I said, a huge show at the time. Right. Yeah, yeah, it was, was so was it show. season was it season three about the start? Is that right? Or was season that, that's right, yeah. Yeah, I was, so I was there for the first full season. They did the four, then they did the 13. And right. and in fact, when I was sort of it was either right before or right after the interview when I was still contem- still possibly gonna be interviewing. That's right, it was right beforehand. Karen invited me to see the taping of the deal, which was the last episode of the 13. And I remember just being on stage there and I was like, this is just fantastic. And as much as, you know, I liked my gig at Saved by the Bell, it's like that just felt a lot more right to me with my just sensibility of what I found humorous because I wasn't a tween. Right, right. Like, yeah. Oh, man. So, so yeah, like you mentioned, they, 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 they just got picked up after season two. So what was that? vibe like you get there season three is about to star you you got you got your first you know you you got the gig what was like the overall vibe on the set were they still was the exec still kind of hounding them about things did they have free range like h- how was their demeanor as far as like the ratings go or the execs because we've heard a lot of different stories about that where you know larry was kind of you know it's hard to just what was your where your sense about where they were at that point well my understanding is that they just weren't traditional showrunners they didn't come from that whole background so it's not like they ran things and you know they didn't have a writer's room um you know i mean their friends were all their stand-up friends who they invited to like you know if they who asked them to write a script if they liked it you know like bill masters and bob shaw they were you know allowed to come on and be on the writing staff and so it was different in that way i remember the first week was interesting the first week i remember walking in uh, the office and seeing jerry who was wearing this very ill-fitting kowloon t-shirt which is this this Chinese restaurant on the North Shore of Boston. And I guess they have a comedy club. And it was just very freaky to me. I'm like, how do you have a Kowloon t-shirt on? And also that, in that first week, I remember we were all sitting, there was sort of an outer room. Jerry and Larry had their, their office, um, you know, directly off of where the writer's assistant sat. And, but where we sat, there were couches and people, you know, could sort of gather there. And I was there again with like the Larry's and Jerry and Tom Sharonis was there. Yeah. And Larry was, um, Larry was asking out loud. Larry David was asking out loud. He's like, I don't know if we have enough work for this, you know, for Jeff to do. It's like, I, you know, I don't know if we need two writer's assistants. And then huh. Tom, and then we're all sitting there and Tom Sharonis is just like, we can just fire the fucker. And I I was just like thinking to myself, like I'm I'm like thinking that I'm like right here, like he knows I'm right here. And then I could see that Larry, Larry David, like bristled after, you know, at at the at the hearing that because he was just like he thought that was a pretty uncool thing for Tom to have said. You know, turns out very in very short order, they did have enough work for me to do. But I was like, it was a little bit of, you know, yeah, a little bit of trauma in that first week. But that, but yeah. uh, it's funny. We always say we're big Sharonis, Sharonis yeah. guys, but uh, I think it, no, I, I came to really, you know, think a lot of him. It was great, and I used to always hang around him on the stage because I liked the smell of the his cherry pipe tobacco. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was just, you know, it's very, you know, if you're on his good side, he was, you know, he's very friendly. So that was great. So, so yeah, take us through like what, what is the job of a writing assistant? So, and we've talked to, you know, we've talked to Peter Melman, Bill Masters, quite right. a few, Matt Goldman, one of the original writers. Tom Leopold, um, who I love. Yeah. 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 Oh, Leopold, incredible. Right. 
so um it, it sounds like you know these writers might craft something but at the end of the day larry takes it and just you know does his thing with it at the end so i guess where does where does a writing assistant like yourself, I guess Karen Wilkie did the same. Mm-hmm. How did, how did you guys kind of lean in? Uh, I guess, especially during those early years. Yeah. Um, on an episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what it, a lot of it involved, I mean, they, like you said, he sort of just, he got these scripts and they, he and Jerry had desks, you know, opposing desks, like bumped up next to each other. It was like one big table that they sat on opposite sides. And then they sort of just rewrite, like you said, so it was in their voice, the scripts. Um, but as they did that, they wrote on, you know, they wrote it longhand, like Jerry on a, like a yellow legal pad with his big pens. It was like, had to be the certain big pen, you know, just the rolling right barrel. And, and then, uh, and then Larry would write also like on a spiral notebook or something like that. And then they would hand out notes to us. So this is just like the script editing part of it. They would hand out notes to us like in the handwritten stuff. So we would, you know, take their handwritten stuff, enter it into the computer, and then we would be the ones to sort of like enter that all in to make that a script. And that was sort of like how the whole week went. Like after a table read, um, you know, if there were, you know, when there were edits, they would take the script, they would hand write their notes on, 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 you know, on the script. And Larry would have these crazy maps for me to follow. Like, you know, like on page seven, it's like, go to 6A and there would be like 6A. <laughs> you have to find the 6A and there was a chunk of dialogue there and then go back to 12 and, you know, wow. whatever. So, so that was when there were rewrites. But so we did this, like, you know, basically putting the script into the computer. Um, we were also sort of like the go-between between them and all of the different department heads who desperately wanted information from them you know, right. for like, what, what sets do we have coming up? Or Charmaine and Stephanie were like, what, you know, what costumes are there so we can start shopping for them? And, um, you know, and Larry gave us strict instructions. Like, I don't want anybody to have this script yet. It wasn't always that way, but there are certain scripts that he sort of just was, you know, pr- I'm guessing probably the contest was like this or something with it sort of like was new, was a significant script that he didn't want to have any, you know, anybody to know anything about it. He would tell us not to give out any information, but then I sort of developed a friendship with, let's say, Tom Mazzari outside of Seinfeld, just because right. yeah, family connections in New Mexico and stuff like that. And so occasionally I'd just like, I'd just sort of like say, you know, it's, there's going to be a barbershop. And so, you know, like something that I knew <laughs> was going to be in there. Right. Like I knew there was a Jackie Childs scene. I knew that we we're going to need Jackie Childs's office. Right. Um, you know, because I just knew he needed to get started on things, you know, and I Oops. figured it was a safe bet to, to tell him. And so, so, but here, just a quick little bullet of what we did. So there's the editing stuff. There's the department heads sort of just informing them. There was the standing on stage um, next to Larry when during run throughs and during recordings, when we would have the script all marked up with columns and each column represented a take. And we would sort of just watch him watch the performance and he'd be mouthing the words that he wrote, you know, as he's watching them, he'd be like, you know, like with his mouth <laughs> clearly moving. And then we would just be sort of watching what was going on, but mostly watching him. And then if he went like, you know, like this at a certain line reading, we would mark that in the script under that take. And then that enabled us to put together a whole matrix of a script to give to Janet, the editor, so that her first cut was pretty close to what we knew he liked. Wow. So there's a lot of trust there. I mean, it sounds like you're you're basically Larry's right hand man at that point. I mean, you're if he he's almost he's you're watching like the run through and he's marking where things need to be marked for whether it's rewrites or like you said, editing, all that stuff. And you're basically the person he's telling to, Hey, Mark, make sure this is all, you know, coordinated. Right. And all the, and all the writers assistants did that. I mean, uh, Karen did Darren Henry did the same thing, you know, George Doty um, after we hired him, like he did the same thing. So it's like, um, and then we prepared like a little mini script for Larry. So he would just be able to refer to it. Then another thing is I was also the keeper of the standup binder. Okay. Which is was that with with Pat Hazel? Like, no, that was whenever we recorded like two or three shows worth of stand up on stage. I would record it with, um, I'm dating myself, uh, those little micro cassette recorders, you know, I'd yeah. Yeah, yeah. record them all 
and then transcribe them, dating myself even further with a little thing with the pedals and the, you know, and like just listening back to this whole thing. I would transcribe all of the stand-ups and I would keep them in a three-ring binder. And then he would sort of refer to that if he like we had a show coming up and he wanted to see what stand-up was available to use in that certain show. It was a binder that he ended up leveraging for when he created, he wrote the book Sign Language. Oh, interesting. Um, so it's sort of like just was like the like the archivist of all of the stand-up current and past. So he sort of just knew what was available, what we had used. Um, and yeah, so that was another thing that he I was- had those sort of uh, he has those sort of like free package. They would choose as they matched an episode almost. He, he would, but then we'd also do a lot of recording, like just, you know, the same week a show was being shot or just after, right. you know, that would relate to that. There was actually yeah. an issue. One time I got in uh, a little bit of a kerfuffle with Jerry um, <laughs> because there were two shows. I don't even know, remember which the shows were. It was something like there was, there was some storyline that two episodes had the similar storyline in each of them. I don't know if it was like a police sketch artist or something that was mentioned in one episode, but became a storyline in another. And I remember the day that the show was supposed to be broadcast, they realized that the wrong standup was in there because I had transposed the two. I had given one of them to Janet and somehow like they sat through all the edit sessions and nobody realized anything except <laughs> like until the day it was to air. And then, so Tim Kaiser, the producer, saved my ass. And then he sort of just, he were able to satellite the footage back to New York or something or, you know, replace it. Or we replaced it for like the Los Angeles, you know, the West Coast broadcaster. I forget exactly the details of it. But then Jerry was pissed off. He got in my face and he's like, how could you let this, you know, it was like really, you know, sort of this confrontation. <laughs> and then afterwards, when things had settled a little bit, I remember going into his office and closing the door and I'm like, look, I'm really sorry that that happened. But next time, if something like that happens, or if you have any issues with me, please take me in your office. Don't like call me out in front of people or just go to town on me like that. And he was cool. You know, he understood. He was like, yeah, this can't happen again, but I'm sorry I did that. And, you know, so, you know, after that, wow. thanks. Yeah. I I, w- I would have been nervous as a young guy to to say that yeah. to the namesake of the show. So like kudos to you. So um, your first season was ninety three. I'm looking. The first episode of ninety three was the note. Was that the first episode you worked on that you remember? That is, and I I remember that I was like totally felt like I was in the right place. I remember the, being there for the read through, and then when when the masseur like pulls down (laughs) George's pants and he like freezes up. And I'm like, I just felt like, you know, coming from saved by the bell to this, I'm like, this is totally the right. My this is like such a, Jeff. I mean, in the perfect place, you know, that I, I remember watching that episode live. I mean, Wednesday night and we rank it, you know, we do rankings and we rank the note seven all time, believe it or not. We have a high affinity for, you know, the early seasons for sure. Yeah. But, yeah, that's so interesting that, you know, that was your first episode. Let me ask you this. So as a writing assistant, did you, were you able to provide any lines, jokes, anything you mentioned to Larry ever make it uh, on air that you remember? Um, not really lines or jokes. I mean, certainly I worked on my own writing and and Larry was supportive in terms of like, you know, he gave me some feedback, you know, on some things and so did excuse me, so did Larry Charles, you know, but uh, it wasn't such that I was able to get anything on the show. I mean, I think I did have a, a little bit of a familial impact and that my mom is the reason why Babu Bot got his name. So, you know, so there's definitely, <laughs> so we're, I remember we're listening. How yeah, did that they, happen? Yeah. Well, they came, <laughs> Jerry came out of his office and he's like, do you know any Pakistani names? And I don't know <laughs> what compelled me to call my mother. who was a lawyer and she said yeah there's two people in my firm there's um there's babu patel and suda bot and then of course we ran both of those names through the you know the the clearance company and they came out you know they could we couldn't use them because of course like they're real people we can't use their names um and so they just combine in the first name of one and the second name of the other and that's you get babu bot so yeah so she was wow. that 
That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I know you had mentioned uh, you interviewed with Larry Charles and then you had mentioned Tom Sharonis earlier on. Um, mm-hmm. You were there for 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 extended period of time there. We like to look at it as almost three eras of Seinfeld. You were there for for basically two of those three. It looks like you weren't, you know, when Larry left, you had already, I think, not been there. Is that right? We we left the same time. Yeah. So coincidental. It wasn't like Larry's like Jeff's coming <laughs> back to hell with it. You know, it was like we, we both we both ended up leaving after season seven. Right. So I'm curious yeah. how from your especially because you work so closely with probably Larry Charles and Tom Sharon is um you know, what was it like when they left after season five? What, in your mind, was there because there's definitely a tonal change in the show. I mean, it's it's evident, to, you know, there's a tonal change in the show when they leave. But what was it like behind the scenes, if you will, uh, you know, vibe wise or anything like that? Was there a palpable difference? Was it, you know, business as usual for you? Like, what could you tell us about sort of when those two departed, how I mean, things it, changed? Yeah, I mean, it was business as usual. I mean, I could speak more to. Uh, Larry Charles's situation because obviously Tom left and Andy Ackerman was there, right. but that, they were both sort of like helped. They were both really good at just enabling, you know, get to what Larry and Jerry's vision were. Um, so, um, but yeah, Larry, as I'm sure you've talked about in other episodes of the show, we always like were so appalled that it became like a show about nothing, and it's like. It was not a show about right, nothing. Right. It may have been a show about like just triviality stuff, but it's in terms of plot lines, Larry's Larry Charles's plot lines were so in yeah, existential and just you know a lot of death, a lot of trip to uh, California, darkness. like A, B, C, D, and E stories, and like you know just um, just really complex stuff. It's not to say it didn't it was it wasn't complex when he left, you know. Um, it was you know for the most part it was you know, business as usual. Um, one of the things that I, I did throughout, even after he left was um, I would do story research. Um, like when George was a bra salesman, I had to call maiden form <laughs> and then ask them, I'm like, what kind of clasps are there? And I'm making notes and I'm like, okay. And what's the smallest size? What's the biggest, you know, I'm like, they must totally pervy questions that I had to ask them. <laughs> But it was like I had to get information about bras. So I called Maiden Form. You know, I also did. <laughs> I I was the one who actually got the non-fat yogurt tested because Larry came in one day and was sure after weekend that he that there was fat in a non-fat yogurt that he had ordered somewhere in the Really? Back. Oh, that's great. Did it matter so, if it was melted? <laughs> yeah. And so, no, I had to then go and send a sample of it to an FDA approved lab. I had to find one first. You're kidding and then send it and then get the re- report back. And we're like, there's a little bit of like, you know, it's like Kramer. It's like, I found the hair. It was like, this is like, definitely has fat in it. Oh man. Yeah. So he was, so Sorry, he, well, Oh, because you, you, what I was going to say is like, they sort of like it, you know, to their credit, you know, good comedy needs to be grounded in reality so that the audience isn't distracted. Like, Oh, that would never happen or whatever. It's like, it needs to have some element of, you know, maybe not the part of getting it tested, but you sort of just have to have things be somewhat real, like things that are coming out of George's mouth or whatever. I like I did. I also researched um, the Briss episode and there was, yeah, there was. Um, so I did all sorts of research. Um, I'm a Jew, so I knew firsthand a little bit of stuff, but it's like, <laughs> but I, you know, I did some in- research on circumcision and, and that's that's pre-internet. That's pre-internet in the mid '90s, you know. So yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm, you're making phone calls. You're doing the hard. Yes, I'm making phone calls exactly. And so it's like, and I got I got a hold of somehow some organization called No Circ, this violently anti-circumcision group. And <laughs> as a result of the research that I did for the Briss episode, I was on their mailing list for like the next year and a half. <laughs> and I would get these pamphlets with like grotesque photographs, you know, like crazy images and these things because I was like on this no cert groups mailing list. And I was like, well, uh, you and you and Kramer, there you go. <laughs> um, so speaking of Kramer, you met, like you mentioned Jerry, uh, you know, obviously the main four were iconic. Um, I know you, it sounds like you played a part uh, even in casting, I guess with Hirschfeld, just tell us a little bit um, 
I guess some of your favorite actors that you ran into through the years or kind of uh, of the main four, any stories you could tell us about Michael Richards or Julia or, or, uh, or, or Jason. Yeah. I have, I you know, have everyone, everyone we've spoken to, it's just, it's I've so complicated. Some, yeah. I've got some stories just to clarify the, the casting thing. I mean, I worked yeah. with Mark and Brian Myers like all the time, but a lot of it was like, you know, I'd get sides from them. I'd sort of like talk, you know, to like the same thing as I was talking about before with like production design or whatever. I'd sort of tell them who they were thinking about or, you know, what sort of character was going to be coming up. But it wasn't. And sort of I'd help schedule with Jerry and Larry, like when the casting sessions were. And I'd have to put on a good face for all the people who are sitting across from me waiting to go into the room, you know, knowing that they didn't have a chance. Um, and so... Um, yeah, in terms of, I remember also I talked about that first week where Tom Sharona said that thing and, and Jerry with the shirt. Um, I remember I was having a hot dog on stage my, my first week there. And then Michael walked up to me and he said, you know, that's all cancer, right? <laughs> and I'm sitting there eating the hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh yeah. He's like, yeah, no, it's, it's, there's all sorts of stuff in there. You don't want to, and I'm like, he just like, he doesn't even, he barely knows me. I don't even know if, you know, he knows I work up in the office or not. So he walks off and then I'm like, I like just devour the rest of it, like in <laughs> shame, you know? Um, but he was real, you know, it was totally fun um, to be there. I know his, his teenage daughter was around. So it was sort of like, it was a neat little family vibe that you got with Michael. I mean, he turned me on to some good African music. Remember when he comes into um, yeah, with Siobhan Fallon, yeah, yeah, with Sean Fallon, yeah. Siobhan Fallon, and it's like he's dancing. He, he turned me on to like King Sunny Day music, which I think is what was playing. Um, there was another another thing with um, with Jason. And so because we're working in the office, a lot of stuff just comes through the office, even if it's for the cast, and um, so. Jason had just had a baby and we got a gift in the office. It was a gift in the office just addressed to Jason. And so Jason came in the office. And I'm like, Oh, here, this came in. This, this, I not even came in. I said something like, like, this is for you. And he's like, Oh, thank you. And he took it and he walked out. And then about a week and a half later, I got a card in the mail saying like, Jeff, thank you so much for the great, get the, the great onesie. It was like so generous of you and, you know, something you need to, and I was like, I didn't give him this gift. I just, <laughs> handed it to him. but he felt like me <laughs> handing it to him was like, yeah. that it was from me. That's like the big the salad. Big salad. Exactly. So then, I, then I had to go, then I went into Larry Charles's office for advice. Cause he was a good advice giver. He'd be in there with his dark sunglasses and his rosary beads and, listening to Dylan, you know, and I was like, what am I going to do? Like, he thinks that I have this gift and should I say what, you know, how do I do this? And he's like, he's like, you're just going to have to tell him. He's like, but I, I want to be a fly on the wall when you tell him. <laughs> I'm like, and it didn't, it didn't end up happening. It wasn't like a fly on the wall, but I basically told, I yeah, took Jason aside. I'm like, that wasn't me. And he was like, and he was very cool about it. He's like, well, it was their fault. They didn't, say who it was from. So I'll just consider it from you and whatever. So it was like a funny little thing with Jason, but yeah, there was all sorts of, I mean, them and the guest cast. I mean, it was really great. I wish I knew, you know, as an adult here, I am like binging breaking bad. And I had no idea who Brian Cranston was. And had I known right. you know, I would have totally, you know, ingratiated myself to him. So I knew him in later years, you know, whatever, but like, it's just, and Bookman, I was sad to see that he passed away recently. I still just love his role in Boogie Nights, you know, yeah. which was around the same time. Um, I remember even driving down during the opera episode, Larry asked me to do, do him a favor and drive the guy who was playing Joe Davola like down to the parking lot because he had forgotten something and he was in a crappy mood. And so I'm like driving in the golf cart and he's in costume and he's just pissed off about something. And it was just totally like a silent ride, like 10, you know, like five minute ride down to the whole satellite parking lot and back with the clown. And it was just, it was, it was some interesting stuff. You, you know, you just mentioned uh, Dylan with Larry Charles listening to him. And it made me think yeah. earlier on when you were talking about working with Larry and how, you know, you're getting the original, original handwritten script. It sounds like, right. The first, yeah. first draft. Yes. Um, 
I'm just always fascinated by like the editing process and what 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 actually makes it. And like, you know, there's always like unreleased lyrics of these songs and even with TV shows and, and, and movies, it's like uh, how you edit them out and what was missed and all that kind of stuff always fascinates me. I'm just like from your perspective, I mean, you're seeing these scripts for the first time and then you're seeing what ends up on screen and all of the in-betweens like what what is that like like wh- what can you tell us about like you know that process as far as like wow they they had to cut that out or man i'm so glad they added this during that part like does anything stick out to you in like that sort of editing like rewriting from from draft to to on tv that like you know from your perspective that really like sticks out from back um, then <laughs> to be honest no it's been so it's it's so long <laughs> it's so long ago um like not anything i mean specific. you were in it i guess right it was more like you're you're just kind yeah, of but not anything specific like oh they got rid of you know this line or this character you know this character i mean obviously there was you know certain things when you know, a character, didn't, the guy who was going to play the Moyle didn't, you know, wasn't reading well and they got replaced and whatever. But like in terms of lines that were changed or pieces that were were cut out, um, nothing really stands out, um, you know. Um, yeah. It was just sort of like it, each time it came to us as like in the first, in, for the first draft, it came out to us as a whole pad of paper. Second draft, it came out as a whole script with their notes in it, you know. Um uh, such different handwriting, you can you can tell them. Uh, actually, Larry, I got so used to Larry's handwriting, I ended up signing all of his contracts for him. He couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't be bothered, so he was like, "Could you just sign these?" And it's like all of the because they would come every week. Every time he had a script, he'd need to sign paperwork for it. So I just got used to signing, you know, his name. Um, but wow. from your from your perspective, kind of the the dynamic between Jerry, Jerry and Larry, like. You know, I know Jerry was obviously on the show, but like from your perspective, who was Larry kind of running things from top to bottom or was it that partnership we all hear about? It's it's definitely a partnership in terms of like when they would write, they would just sit in the room together, you know, and just out of it would come these scripts. I mean, in a pinch, like if, you know, because um, at that point, you know, Larry hadn't done Curb. He wasn't like so known to the public. Jerry's already had all these you know, he had photo shoots and other things, other responsibilities and times. So there are times, you know, the odd time that he had to not be there in a pinch, like Jerry, Larry was the one who could, you know, like fully just do like, you know, write scenes himself, you know. Um, and that's probably what Jerry did, obviously, in seasons eight and nine, you know, without Larry there. Um, you know, I had to just sort of take over and just do those things. But right. um, but for the most part, it was definitely that collaborative process you know yeah yeah um you know you also you know you appeared in three episodes right background secretary pledge drive pilot is that accurate the pledge drive yeah the pilot what was i doing was i am um, you were kind of on the set when they were shooting like when they were doing the shot of the shot i may have been i always wonder it's like i just think i'm a vampire sometimes i see these documentaries and i'm yeah. like, not showing up in any of these <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was just like wondering how that goes about like, even when larry was on like when larry would be like you know the newsstand guy or or you know the the voice on the plane or a voice in a movie or you know the the uh the guy you know, in the bathroom who stinks up the bathroom yeah larry charles larry right charles. yeah so like do they just like on the fly i'll do that or is like i was curious like you know how you how you jump into those roles where it's just like yeah, i'll be the guy in the back i'll do this i'll do this one i'll do that one yeah i mean that's that, that you exactly have that right i mean to be on the fly i remember when i was in the pledge drive in the back darren and i were in the back row there i don't know how it you know yeah, I think it. I think it may have even been. I don't even know if it was a Jerry and Larry thing. I think it may have just been, you know, the, um, you know, the director, you know, like Andy or whoever it was at the time, you know, or the assistant director saying, "We need two more people up there. You want to, you know, whatever." Just grabbing some of us. Right. Yeah. So, even Hirschfeld, Wayne Cannon, all these guys kind of hopped in. Were uh, you? Yeah. Um, Fred Stoller's character was named Fred Yerkes. Was that an ode to you? It was. It was actually. There was. They were looking for a last name. And I was in the office and I come up to Jerry's desk and he's like, how do you pronounce? He's like, I don't know. It must've been like, I don't know, like early on. I mean, he's sort of like, he's just asking about my last name. You know, I'd been there that long, <laughs> but he was like, um, he's like, how do you say your last name? I'm like, Yerks. And he looked at Larry's like, Yerks. Yeah, that's funny. Okay. Thanks. You know? And then <laughs> so he basically <laughs> sent me away and that's how Fred got his last name. 
that's great. Um, <clears throat> oh, so I was going to say one of the other things I did. So, so it was, you know, we did like things that were, you know, in terms of you ask about what our roles were, I was like working on the script and on stage and all these things, but then there were some, you know, certainly like just, personal errands that we'd end up doing. We, you know, they didn't really have personal assistance. Je- uh, Jerry did had Carol Brown, but then, you know, Larry just needed us to do things. And one, I remember one of them was, um, I picked up, I had to go and pick up the Chinese ball to cure for him. Oh, nice. The ball, <laughs> which is, wasn't a cream. It was like some, the way I understand it. And this is again, forgive me, this is 30 years ago, but, my understanding was that every year this Chinese herbalist would fly to Los Angeles in a Lear jet, the back of which was packed with these Chinese medicines, various Chinese medicines, one of which was a bald cure. And then somehow Larry became hip to this. And he's like, I need you to go to Santa Monica and pick this up. And so <laughs> he basically had like, it was like a pop-up before there was a, such a thing as a pop-up, you know? And so the guy, I went there and it was like, you know, like a little speakeasy and I, you know, gave him the money and it gave me these little packages, all, you know, all these big, long cardboard packages. And I brought them back and then, yeah, we didn't know what to do with them. Larry wasn't sure if he should take them. They looked like there were these jet black things that looked like boba in boba tea, like those little boba, little bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like jet black and all the paperwork that came with it and all the boxes it was all in Chinese. We had no idea what any of it was. And so I don't even know if he ended up taking it or not. I can't imagine he did because we're like, is there mercury in it? We have no idea. So it was just like so that was, you know, just another little side venture I had to go on. Jeff, these are these are great stories. It's funny you mentioned um you mentioned Bookman. You mentioned kind of being like uh, in the casting room or out in the hallway, you know, uh, Cranston, you name it. We, I mean, we've heard whether it's Bookman, a, a, there's been great talent that lines up outside. W- was there anyone you saw out there that didn't get a role that you thought could have gotten it or someone like super famous that um, never made a cut of Seinfeld that you recognize? Um, no, not really. I wasn't sort of like a, looking at people and <clears throat> with his like analytical and eye as like Mark and Brian were obviously. And, right. um, and I think, well, I guess, I guess people like, you know, Brian and, and Bookman, I guess they did have to come in and read. I don't know if they were big enough to be offered a role. I remember when they offered like Liza Minnelli a role in something they bed Midler got instead, but it was oh, originally, offered, originally offered to Liza Minnelli and she, you know, it got back to the office that, she had said, no, no, if you, if you want to ca- cast me, you really need to use me. It was like, so it's just something very practical. <laughs> um, well, Jeff, the, o- the only two, we've talked to a million guest stars now at this point, the only two who didn't have to audition, Tony, keep me honest on this, was Tawny Katayan, because mm-hmm. she was dating Jerry, mm-hmm. and uh, the, uh, Athena Massey, the, the one P at a time. Yeah, she had one line. I don't remember Athena. I mean, the one P at a time. I, remember, I vaguely remember yeah. the storyline, but so funny. People like think that I, I, you know, they have all these Seinfeld trivia nights at bars and everything, and yeah. people think I'm going to be a ringer. They're like, "Oh, you should totally go to that." <laughs> and I'm like, it all sort of just blends in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not, we're not big trivia either with it. Even though we do a podcast about it, we're not big on the trivia aspect. We're we're more we like the analyzing. No, but I appreciate like the deep diveness of it. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's like really it's and and it's been fun to watch. You know these 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 shows and people I haven't seen in so long. You know, oh, it was great. interesting. I mean, there were definitely people. You know, around the time Clinton was running for president. Uh, Linda and Harry Thomason, who were like his, you know, his advisors, they were running Evening Shade on the stage over from us. That was a show that was being shot over there. At one point, uh, Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise walked into the office, which is like the back of my head blew off. I was like, oh, my God. First, It's like, you know, I was like, it's Burt freaking Reynolds. It's like, and he's with Dom DeLuise. It's like, Seeing right. a celebrity is cool. Seeing a celebrity like in an environment that you hope to see him in is like even better. So to see him with Dom DeLuise, it was like I could not even compute. And it was like he was there with the red track suit and the orange face makeup and the, you know, the cowboy. Right. It was so funny. I'm curious. You know, this is kind of a three part question, if you will. So yeah. uh, 
what what was your favorite episode right that you worked on like that the script was your favorite like you're like this is going to be a this is going to be a great one what episode was like your favorite looking back right that like you know watching it i'm sure did you watch the episodes i'm assuming too or you just were so in it working that you uh, i'm assuming you watched them like on tv i mean not like like watching them obviously watching them shot but like oh, I, I watched the outing last night it okay made, so it what's your favorite yeah like what's your what, what would be some of your favorite episodes watching and then some of your favorite episodes kind of working on them if you will i kind of you remember like oh that was a great one i remember like working on that script or whatever it might be and then kind of watching them i remember um in terms of you know in terms of a script obviously this is probably no surprise the contest reading the script is like you can't even you know you just know exactly what's going on it's just it was just hysterical but in terms of production wise there were a lot of like fun moments i think people may have talked about this i mean uh, hell, you've done 130 of these, but somebody talk about the parking garage and the ending that wasn't meant to be. It, yeah, yeah, the that. car. I mean, the car was supposed to start, right? right. And that's that was crazy. Like and two in the morning, we're sitting there, delirious, and it's like, oh my god, that's the ending. Why didn't anybody think of it? it? Was like, and so that was fantastic. I, you know, um, just it was fun to be in that, you know, in that same parking garage. That was actually a week that my mother and stepdad came out. They never had a chance to come out and visit me in Los Angeles. And that was the one week they came because they, they were sick throughout a lot of my time there. And the people at Seinfeld were very cool with me um, regarding that. But one week they were able to come out and I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. I'll get to show them around and everything. That was the week of the parking garage. So I unexpectedly walked up, opened the stage door and it was like a parking garage. And I'm like, what? The, you know, it's like I wanted to show them Jerry's apartment and uh, the coffee uh, shop and all of this. And I'm like, you got I, I this is a parking garage, you know, so it was like that was like a bummer. But it was like um, but it was just like a fun you know, thing to be there in terms of watching it. There's, you know, a couple like the outing. I was surprised at how much I just laughed at the outing and just that was just so funny. Um, I mean, that's Larry Charles. You're right now. Let's have sex right now. Come on. And like, <laughs> and, and I love the marine biologist with the titleist at the end, you know, um, just, yeah, just, just so many. I mean, you were, you were there for both of those, right? I mean, live on set, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, what, a, what an experience. Um, yeah, it sounds like you have a good, you have a, a good relationship with, with Larry Charles, it sounds like, or any other, any other writers that kind of, um, uh, you know, I guess helped you out or, or guided you or gave you any advice, like maybe a little, little bit about the writers. I mean, to us, it's all about the writers. We love, I mean, for us, it's, you know, Larry, David and Cherry for sure. Mm -hmm. um, Larry Charles and Melman, those episodes, right. God, it's hard to critique any of them. Um, kind of those early years, but anybody else on set that kind of, uh, I don't know, I mean, helped with your career, just b became a good friend to you? Yeah. I mean, I sporadically, I mean, they're off doing, you know, people's lives take off and we're obviously in, in different social circles, but, um, you know, I've sporadically been in touch with Melman. I made sure to get his book when it came out and, you know, and sort of just chatted back and forth. And sometimes I'm in touch with Larry, you know, David, it's sort of like, you know, I'll see something funny and I'll ask him. Sometimes he'll respond. Sometimes he won't. You know, I haven't been in touch with Jerry since I was Larry's uh, Larry's assistant called me when they had the reunion at Curb and I couldn't go because of my nephew's bar mitzvah. But I was like, I invited I was invited to go to like that. Oh, and that, wow. that would have been a chance to see everybody. Yeah, that's so great you that know? they invited you. I know. And so actually um, Curb. And so that was something also I was in touch with Larry after years after the show ended, Larry David, because Curb, the pilot episode of Curb uses a storyline that actually happened between me and him. I don't know if you know the story, the, the storyline. Um, it, it forms the arc of like the whole pilot of Curb Your Enthusiasm, the hour long special, which is um, I was involved in a Warner Brothers writers workshop. And after the program ended, I asked if Larry would give me a recommendation, like call the guy on my behalf. And then Larry, 
And then he's like, okay. And he called and then he called me back like five minutes later. He's like, I think I just messed things up. I got in a big argument with him. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so I was pissed off at the time. 15 years later pass a friend of mine's on the phone. He's like, were you on HBO last night? I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, there was curb your enthusiasm, like a Larry thing. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so he brought uh, a VHS tape over. We watched it. And I'm like, that's what happened with me and him. Like he used my name. He used my, you know, and so you know, I got in touch with him. I'm like, I'm like, you, you know, you could have asked my permission. He's like, no, I thought you would think it was funny. And I was like, I did think it was funny. You know, thankfully he didn't say anything derogatory or defamatory, but um, you know, so I was in touch with I was in touch with him around, you know, that. Um and then, you know, in touch a little bit, very little, but Alec, in terms of like you say, like helping out in career, like Alec Berg was willing to take a look at a, a pilot idea of mine that I was working on. Um, and so that was really nice. That was after I'd already left Los Angeles. I was from back here. I, you know, reached out to him. So, um, you know, he was, you know, helpful in that regard. So that's great to hear. Yeah. That's really great to hear, man. And, and, you know, decided kind of along those lines. I mean, this was your first, basically, I mean, I know you said say by the bell, but then five years at Seinfeld, which is, you know, went from like you said, just getting picked up to the number one show in in the in the country while while you're there for that, right? And yeah. I, I can only imagine, uh, you know, like we said, you were in your you know mid twenties at the time when you started, right? I can only imagine you must have learned uh, just so much being around all those people you just mentioned and still talking to them now. Some of them, um, you know, what 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 is some of the bigger takeaways you got from that experience that you've kind of carried on throughout your, you know, your career, uh, whether it was learning off Larry David or Larry Charles, like you said, getting advice from him. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, you must've just, uh, you were around such so many, you know, iconic talented people. You must've yeah. gotten some, some great. Uh, and like to your point, it was definitely a really fun time to be there because it went from like a, like a show that not many people, just to give you some idea, like of two little bookend moments, um, when I first started on the show, like season, season three, I would go back for summer break and I would be like, you know, see my family and they, I'd be like, Oh, I'm working on Seinfeld. What's that? It's a show about a comedian and his friends. It used to had to explain it still. And then just, yeah, then the show blew up and it was just so wild. Like, you know, I just remember coming in the Friday morning after we took Cheers's spot and it just was like night and day. And it was just like a whole new world. And it was amazing to the point where uh, I think later on in my time there, I'm sitting Shiva for my mom who had passed away. And a friend of hers asked me if I can get Jerry's autograph. <laughs> and I'm like, what <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I'm like, so there's definitely things that changed in terms of like takeaways though. I always um, think about, how many weekends we were working like Karen and I and Darren, we would sort of like, you know, they would only need one of us in on the weekend and they would work a lot of weekends because saved by the bell, they had a table read on Monday, they shot on a Friday. So, so it was sort of like a weekends were a weekend here. We read on Wednesday, shot on Tuesday. So a lot of times there were rehearsals on the weekend. There was definitely rewriting on the weekend. And, you know, we took turns being the one who came in on the weekends with them, which is like, which was just like crickets. It was them in the room and nobody else around, you know. Um, and I just remember it really just, you know, thinking about what a amazing work ethic the two of them have. That's That stays with me. Um, the fact is, after they left that show, neither of them needed to work for another five lifetimes, you know, right. But Jerry just went right back in and retired his old stand-up act, started writing new ones, did the B movie. Like he needed to be working, wanted to be working. And Larry certainly, you know, could have just played golf at Riviera for the rest of his life and done, you know, and just, just lived in, in anonymity. But you know, I don't think, cause I don't think he was, you know, when Curb started, he was looking for, he was just, he was, he's a worker. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a comedy worker, which is like really to his credit. And it's, it's pretty unbelievable considering he's yeah. me too, but he just loves that process, obviously. I know it's interesting. You mentioned it like these two guys, they never, you know, worked on a sitcom before, you know, anything really on, on the 
the television sense and they they took this small thing as jerry calls it a homemade show and made it into mm-hmm. you know you know as you can see the greatest comedy ever right yeah, so, that same one yeah yeah <laughs> it's, yeah it's a classic um just one more for me uh, continuity it, 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 again this is imdb it says continuity department and i met you mentioned babu before um did you did you have to work on continuity if you will so like like bringing back a babu or um checking on things you said you did a lot of research like you know george mentions he has a brother cousin stuff like that like were you tasked with those types of things? Um, or you mentioned like Jackie Childs, like bringing people back. Like I was right. just curious all how that kind of weaved into certain um, arcs, if you will, or, you know, bringing characters back. If you, if you, if you played a part there. Uh, I didn't really play a part there. I mean, there were just so, you know, it was really spontaneous, you know, as they're in that, that room, sort of like they had a big dry race board with the whole season, you know, mapped out in that week's show, like all done up the act where the act break is, all the scenes broken out. And yeah, a lot of times, you know, I would, you know, they would just come up with these ideas just, uh, you know, I can't tell you which ones, but I'm sure I was there when they were like, what if we did this? And sort of like, you know, they would just come up and they would certainly, they had really, a good enough memory of what they had done and wanted to see brought back and things like that. I mean, that was really, that was really them. You know, I didn't really, I just sat back and got the notes and just enjoyed the whole ride, you know? All right, Jeff, before we let you go, top three Seinfeld episodes for you of all time. Uh, Three of all time. Um, The note, because of the significance, it was my first episode that that I definitely love. Um, the marine biologist. I think it's just such a fantastic ending, and um, and the panty remark is just. just <laughs> I mean, George. Now Leopold. That's Leopold's real line, yeah. right? And he told and, us, and, and just George squirting the ketchup bottle and so Elaine's line at the end. And, you know, like people, you know, when they do sitcoms, they record the audience, they sweeten it, blah, blah, blah. That was the audience's genuine reaction of that line when she says, like, and they're all laid out for she like closes the door. It was just side splitting. It's side splitting when I watch it now at home with my kids, you know. Wow, that's Uh, those are great top three. And Jeff, I mean, you could tell just talking to you how appreciative you were of your experience there. And thanks so much for kind of. Yeah, this was great. Well, sharing the sharing the experience with us. You're very Thank welcome. You. No, I I appreciate you having me on, and just like I said, it's been really fun. You know, um, just going back and looking through your archives and seeing people that I haven't you know seen in a while. <laughs> Andy Robin, who I saw back, like I ran into him when he was going to med school. Like, oh after yeah, he gave up writing, and he was like, oh, you know, I going to med school. I ran into him at like the museum of science up here or something like that. And we had a nice chat. And so, wow. but it's fun seeing them all. Yeah. I mean, this awesome. was so great. Thank you so much, Jeff. This was great. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Have a great night. All right. Have you too. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye.